I titled today's message, Will You Be My Friend? And uh, so let me just kick off with this, with this verse. It's in 1 John chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who, ha- who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. So these two verses describe a word that, um, that will become important later in this message. But first I want to give you a little bit of backstory. We just had communion, the great reminder of, of the body and the blood of Christ, right? And, and so, so Jesus had been crucified, put in the grave, rose again, and then he revealed himself. And the last time he revealed himself, we'll, we, uh, um, we can pick it up in, in about Acts chapter 1. He's talking to his disciples and he's saying, hey, listen, um, go and wait because um, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. So these guys, they have all, all this they have is, is, all they have is this information to go someplace, to go to this certain place and wait. Because the Holy Spirit's going to come. And, and if I were them, I'd be saying something like, the Holy what? What is that? Never heard of it. Um, something from Jesus. If, if, um, if there is anything given to me from Jesus, I want it. So... That just, that settles it for me. I'm going to go and wait. He says, go wait. I'm going to go wait. Here's what he said. He said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and, the, and to the uttermost parts of the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It empowers you to share Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to shine this big light on Jesus, and he does that through you. So, so now we'll pick up in, uh, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So in the King James Version, it says that they were all in one accord. And, and so there's there's some other meaning behind that that, that speaks to, to unity. So they weren't just physically in one place. They were, they were together with like-hearted other people. We're waiting because, because Jesus promised us something here. So we're waiting together for what Jesus promised us. And, and so they're hanging out. They're in one place, praying, singing, and, um, and then the sound of a, like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. So then here's what happened. What appeared to be tongues of fire came, rested on each of them. On each of them. So every believer was filled. They all began to speak in an unknown language or unknown languages. And onlookers accused them of being drunk. These are things we know of that experience. That's crazy what's going on up there. Uh, 
these people don't speak that language. I know that because they're speaking my language. And, and they're not just saying gibberish. They're actually giving praise to God in my language. This is the weirdest thing ever. So, so there's this guy. You might have heard of him. His name is Peter. Peter was a, was a follower of Christ. was one of the disciples. When Jesus was arrested, the disciples all scattered because they didn't know what would happen to them if they had any connection with Jesus. So some people recognized him. Hey, aren't you that guy that used to hang out with Jesus? Weren't you one of his followers? Oh, no. Not me. I don't even know what what you're talking about. Again, aren't you look like that guy that used to hang out with Jesus? Nope. Three times this happens, right? And then what happens? The rooster crows. We know that Peter had some fear issues. It wasn't just that time. Remember the whole step out of the boat thing? You know, he's kind of, he wrestled with some fear. Peter, who was denying Christ now, when everyone is saying, those guys are drunk up there, Peter's like, I got this. So he steps out. And he goes from Frady Cat to Evangelist. And starts telling these people the story of Jesus. Who he is. What he's done. Tells, tells these folks. And by the way, you guys are the ones who hung Jesus on the cross. And put him in the tomb. Except he didn't stay there. He tells the whole story. This, this, this message that he begins to tell, we know is the gospel message. It's good news. Because Jesus didn't stay in the grave. He rose again. So he tells this whole story and then something pretty cool happens. He, he, he also says, makes this statement, um, Jesus is was brought to us as not just the Lord, but the Messiah. And these people say, what do we do with this information? And he says, um, oh, I'm a little ahead of myself. Let me, let me start right here. Here's in, in uh, Acts chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, And and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. So he defends the fact that we're not drunk. Everybody knows that you have to wait till after nine o'clock to get drunk. So, um, So he gives this message of the cross, the grave, and the resurrection. Uh, And then in verse 41... Leading up to that, these people say, what do we do with this information that Jesus is the Lord and Messiah? He says, well, repent and be baptized. And then the Holy Spirit will be in you. There's nothing special they had to do. 
They had to receive Christ in order for the Holy Spirit. Now, what's the Holy Spirit's job? To shine a light on Jesus. Who does he want to use? He wants to use his people. What happens when you receive the Holy Spirit? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. You, you can, you're going to be an influence if you know Jesus. So uh, it says in Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 people were added to their number that day. 3,000 people. That, that is, um, that's bigger than my church. It's about the size of my town. So, so that's a lot of people that are, I mean, that, that, how many know that would affect the kingdom of God? 3,000 people came to Christ. If 3,000 people in Cedro Woolley came to Christ, that would dramatically impact the culture of this town. Do you agree? So that's a big deal. All of that because somebody had the guts to stand up and, and say, here's, here's what happened. Here's what it is. Peter um, had the platform to be able to do that. And he took advantage of it. And people came to Christ. So crazy things happen when faith is released. People start living like they were created to live. If we'll, if we'll subject and submit ourselves to God's lead. Um, God wants to have, God want, one thing God wants us to have or wants to have with us is the same thing most people want to have with each other. God wants this with us and it's, it's a thing that people want to have with each other. It's relationship. There, there, there are, this might surprise you, there are dysfunctional relationships all around us. So much so that we might not even be really sure what healthy relationships look like. Has anyone ever seen a dysfunctional relationship? Has anyone ever been a part of a dysfunctional relationship? And it's not very much fun. It's not very encouraging. Um, Sometimes very difficult. But let me tell you about what happened after the 3,000 people were added to their number? Because we're, this, this, is by, this to me is like a definition of healthy relationships. It says in, in Acts 2, 42 through 47, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So 3,000 wasn't even enough. These people started hanging out together and started doing relationships. Just... Um, they went to church together. They went to each other's homes. They had dinner together. They hung out. And people started taking notice of that. In fact, so much so that who, who when, when somebody sees a good friendship, doesn't just get a little bit jealous of that. I, I, I wish I had a friend like that. 
Or they see a good marriage. Ah, I wish I had that. And, and we see things that, that we want. Well, that's what happens when a church is just simply being a church, is that other people are seeing and taking note. So here's what happened. That initial day, 3,000 people were added to their number that day. But then people started watching the church do friendship and relationships. And they were like, yeah, I want that. And so every day people were coming to Jesus. They were meeting Christ every day. It sounds like such a simple thing. This passage is what healthy relationships look like. The result was that people came to Christ daily. People today have a difficult time with that concept because we seldom see it modeled, even in the church. Um, So the word that I use to describe that healthy relationship is just this, friendship. And it boils down to to, uh, treating others the way you want to be treated. It's not rocket science. One way you can do this is by simply asking the question, is that friendship? When you see, when you're with your friends in a conversation, or um, it's important to do because we should always want to treat others the way that would value them because God values them. And it's important because we also need to value ourselves enough to not allow others to devalue us. Um, so you might in your head, if you're having a conversation, you're feeling demeaned by someone, ever that ever happened? You know, that, that you might just even say to yourself, hmm, am I going to allow myself to stay in this conversation that's unhealthy and not going anywhere fast? Because if I do, um, it's not going to end up good. But I, I might, um, might need to just say, ah, that's not friendship. And maybe back away, excuse yourself, count to 10, take a deep breath, all the thing, all, you know, use all the right tools to, uh, to maybe diffuse th- that situation. Um, confession time, okay? About a, about a week or so ago, I was with my son. We were someplace, and, the, and, and there was, a, there was a, um, a gentleman not far from where we were sitting that kind of, for whatever reason, th- decided that he was going to, um, that he wanted to go off on my son. And I was like, Mm, that's not a good idea. Um, you know, my son Luke is—he's six-one, good two and a quarter. He's—you know—he's a big boy and everything. But um, that wasn't why I was thinking it wasn't a good idea. I was thinking it wasn't a good idea because I'm his dad, and that's my baby boy. So, while um, while this guy was going off on my boy, I couldn't just sit back because. Well, I could have just sat back and let it happen because it, my son was as calm as a cucumber. Me, not so much. So, so I, I kind of jumped into the conversation and had words with this, with this gentleman. Now he and I are going back and forth. Um, if you know anything about me, I don't really do that. Except Papa Bear just was not in the mood to, to um, and I told my son later, look, I know you're a man. I know you can handle your own stuff. Because he kept trying to say, Dad, I got this. Don't worry. He was, he was so respectful. I was really proud of him. I was really not proud of myself. 
When I told my wife about it, she was really not proud of myself either. She was, she was horrified. And, and, um, and just really because she, she just told me, look, I just want you to be the best you that you can be. So the best you is not an angry you. The best you is not the person that stands up and gets all puffed up. The best you is in control and, and calm and a gentleman. And I hate it when she's right. <laughs> so, so I've had to just kind of uh, reflect on it. I don't think I'll ever see that gentleman again. So, you know, it's water under the bridge, right? Except that I have to still deal with, with the process. I can say to myself, sir, that's not friendship. I'm just having this conversation in my own head, right? Not friendship, what you're doing. So I'm going to excuse, we're going to excuse ourselves so that nothing, nothing negative happens. I can know what to do. I have the tools because the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of me. I have the tools to, to not engage in argument or negative conversation. You have those same tools. It's whether or not we allow ourselves to go there or not. So asking, just even asking the question is just that reminder, huh? Is what's going to happen here next friendship or not? It's actually a great sign of a healthy church is friendship. Sometimes I'll have people ask me, how's your church doing? And the side behind the unknown or the, the, the other question or the real question is, how big is your church? Or is your church growing in numbers? And so what I typically will say, because I, 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 I serve at a church with largely uh, um, many senior citizens. I'm, my, wife, my, fa- my wife and I are probably the youngest of among the youngest people in our church. And I'm 53 years old. So, so our church is, is a senior adult church. Um, here's that, that is not they're, not, they're not Peter. They're not big evangelists that way. But here's what they do, do very well. They love each other very well. These people, when we break for coffee and greet one another's, I am like, okay, you guys, come and sit down because... They just want to hang out with each other. And, and that's what that passage, that's what that passage was talking about. These, these guys are just, they're hanging out, they're doing life together, and people are seeing that, and God's blessing it. So, so here's some examples of that word friendship that I'm talking about. Um, manipulation not friendship. Encouragement, friendship. Guilt, not friendship. Generosity, friendship. Selfishness, not friendship. Truth-telling, friendship. Let me pause on that one a second. Because truth-telling sometimes doesn't feel like friendship. Sometimes truth-telling can hurt your feelings. Anybody ever have somebody tell you the hard truth 
and it nails you right between the eyes, and you don't like it very much, but it's still friendship. Unreliable, not friendship. Loyal, friendship. Um, so, also remember the one another's. There's about a hundred of them. Uh, here's just a few. Love one another. Live in harmony with one another. Serve one another in love. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Encourage one another and build each other up. These are, these are things that when you do them, you're demonstrating friendship. When we friendship, I'll use it like a verb now. So when I say the word friendship, I'll sometimes use it like, like it's a verb because, because it's doing something. When we friendship with, one, with others in a healthy way, we demonstrate to others how important people are to God. That's when people come to Christ. When they see you doing friendship. See, there's, we talk about love and love as an emotion but love as a verb, it does something. It goes into action. It, it shares with each other, each other's burdens. It becomes vulnerable with each other. Um, I, uh, the, what inspired me on this, on this message in the first place was I have a couple of friends at work. At, at, at my job, I'm, I'm, the, uh, I'm the school security for the LaConnor School District. And... Um, I would, like, I would like to say I'm the, the head of security for the LaConnor School District. I'm also the only security at the LaConnor School District. Um, so just the head of security sounds way better. So that, um, so what, I get to see lots of relationships in action there. Um, how teachers interact with each other, how teachers interact with non-teachers, and how the pecking order goes. I get to see... Uh, what tables um, kids sit at, teenagers, middle schoolers, and high schoolers sit at and engage in conversations with them and watch them have relationships with each other. And, and, um, and friendships don't always happen in a healthy way. It's, it's pretty scary sometimes that, that we don't even know as a people, generally speaking, we don't think that we have the tools to deal in, health, in healthy ways. Somebody hurts your feelings. What do you do with that? I'm not going to talk to them. They're not going to be my friend. We write people off because people are disposable. And I've heard a guy, a previous pastor once said this. He would say, I'm not going to give up on somebody until God gives up on them. And God never gives up on them. And I find that to be really, a really cool thing to say and a really difficult thing to do in the culture that we live in today. Because cause we get our feelings hurt really easy. You, uh, if you want an example of how people get their feelings hurt, watch somebody with a small dog and just say something negative about the little dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you think I went crazy with, my, um, with, with the whole deal that happened with my son? You don't even know. I mean, people, people and their pets. Wow, I just, I just, um, I love them. 
Um, so healthy relationships, when they're done right, when they're done on purpose, you know, relationships take time, takes commitment, it, it takes energy. Not always easy. We get that, right? Um, when we do that stuff, though, people pay attention to what that looks like. Um, so back up to back up to that Acts two forty two passage. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and wonders and signs performed by the apostles. These people put themselves out there. They. Um, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Ah, that word everything kind of blows me away. I, I don't get how they could possibly have everything in common. I think it's a typo or exaggeration, but that's what it says. I didn't write it. They had everything in common. They sold, pro- maybe it's they had all the important stuff in common. And, and that's why they were able to just be in unity. So they sold, like these people even sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Have you ever known anybody in need? I've been in need. And I've had friends that have come, that have stepped up and said, oh, I know that, I know that you're getting paid here in just a few days, but you need this because um, uh, there was a time that my daughter really needed some insulin and uh, she's a type 1 di- diabetes and we didn't have the whatever, um, it was like 300 and some dollars to pay for this insulin. We didn't have it. But this buddy of mine knew that, that I needed it. And so he said, hey, look, I got it right here. Pulls out his wallet, gives me three crisp $100 bills. He said, pay me back when you want. And I'm blown away by that kind of generosity. At the same time, God knows this this person, by the way, not a believer, not a follower of Christ at all. Which tells me that sometimes the church can learn lessons from people who don't always, from people that aren't totally connected with Jesus. Um, so, so when people, though, see the church acting like the church is supposed to be acting, They broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily. When we ask, when we ask people sometimes, are you going to church? Like that's the most important question in the world. Um, yes or no, it's a simple answer. And yet, you know, you'll have going to church is really, are you being the church is really, the, the, to me, the better question. Because, because you could be having some people over to your house for lunch or for the game or next week our guys at our church are going to go um, shooting and we're going to go to breakfast. And, and, um, and so that doesn't sound very churchy, ex- except is it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's the church just being together. It's having stuff in common. It's fellowshipping with one another. Then when we come together at a place like this, now we're connecting 
because we're working on relationships outside of the walls of the church. It's not just the building that makes the church. It's you. It's the people. Are you doing church? Yeah, we're doing church. How can I see that? Because I see how you like one another. And people take note of that. Um, John 13, 34 and 35, it says this. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Let me just insert a word. I'll take a few liberties here. This is, this is, a, um, this is not new theology. I'm not trying to mess things up. here, But I'm going to insert this word here. A new command I give you, friendship one another, as I have friendshiped you. So you must also friendship one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you friendship one another. It's how you love somebody. It's how you engage with them. It's, it's how you protect them. It's, it's how you um, encourage them. It's how you come alongside of somebody. Are you friendshipping people? I just use it like a verb. Are you friendshipping the people that God's put in your life and, and, and around you? And are you allowing yourself, valuing yourself enough to, to, uh, to know how to be encouraged by other people? Sometimes we have relationships where, where uh, we feed into other people. Try to limit those because you could get totally drained that way. And other people, other, other people in our, that we have relationships with, People are feeding into you. That feels good, but we can't just have that. We also get this kind of relationships where you're putting in me and I'm putting into you. We're investing in each other's lives, and that feels like iron sharpening iron. And we get strengthened and encouraged by that. Will you be my friend? Because I need friends that know how to be friends. The body of Christ is awesome that way because you can, go, you can go anywhere and find people who know Jesus. We need people like that in our lives. Here's why. Because people who come to us or who we are in relationship with will see and, they'll, and they will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. Can I pray for us?